Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. It's that magical time of year. I'm sure you can feel it in the air. That's right. It's back once again. The most wondrous time of the year. Kissmas in July. You know how we celebrate it right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, and I'm joined always by my kiss-loving friend, Chris Sinzak. Chris, are you ready to rock and roll all night and party every day? Yes, I absolutely am. I can tell by the way you answer with such enthusiasm. We just had a long conversation about the adventures of preparing for Rock and Pod, and I just got to say thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> I need the distraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, this is yeah. a good one because we're going to have a lot of fun today. It's just me and you, and we're talking about our KISS concert memories, and we're going to go through all of them, every concert by KISS, and maybe even a couple of KISS-related concerts, every single one that Chris and I have ever seen, we're going to share our memories with you, and we're going to have an awesome time doing that today. You know, one thing I always worry about when it comes to Kissmas in July is iTunes reviews and Podchaser reviews and Facebook recommendations because around this time of year, I know everybody's busy, everybody's having a good time, it's summertime, everybody's enjoying life, and you maybe don't have time to leave us a review. I know in Kissmas in July, sometimes we've gotten a couple of bad reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not everybody's a Kiss fan that listens. It's true. Believe it or not, not everybody that listens to this show is a KISS fan, but we are, so we've got to celebrate them, and we give it to you all month long. This week, fortunately, I don't have to worry about that, because I've got an awesome review right here. It's an Apple Podcast review, and it's entitled, Rediscovering KISS, and it's all five stars. you got to love that. And it goes a little something like this. Thanks in no small part to your episodes, I've been digging into the KISS discography. The KISSography, if you will. I started with the early years up to Dynasty, including the 78 solo albums, which I especially found fascinating. I wholeheartedly agree with Aaron in that Ace's solo effort was by far the best of the bunch, with Paul's coming in a second and sounding most like a KISS album. Definitely would have been better than The Elder. Had it been that way. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes. Jeans was just schizophrenic and would have been better as an EP. I don't think Peter's efforts sucked, 
But then again, I'm a sucker for Yacht Rock, and I can see why it wasn't over with the Kiss Army. Might have done better had he released it under his pseudonym, Outside of Kiss. As for the albums themselves, the music not only holds up well without the distraction of their image, but was actually ahead of its time. The best way I could describe it to someone who's never heard them before would be if the Beatles had gone a heavier direction, or if Led Zeppelin had more vocal power from the other members of the band. And even then, those descriptions don't do their early albums justice. Anyway, I now get where you guys are coming from, and how easy it is to get obsessed with this band. Thanks for such a good show each and every week. That is one sweet iTunes review right there. It comes to us from Elizabeth Gaines, a lady. Wow. The female audience is up to four. It's true. The ladies love us. The ladies love Kiss, and they love Kissmas in July. That comes to us right here in the USA. Thank you, Elizabeth. I love it. It's good reassurance for Kissmas in July. Yeah, great review. It made some very good points, too. Fantastic. All right, so last week we wrapped up the month of June with the latest edition of New Noise, bringing you guys all the latest and greatest happenings in the world of rock and roll. Everybody seems to dig that. We're kicking off July the right way with Kissmas in July. But before we go ahead, got to take a look back to last week. We do this little thing around here in case you don't know or you're just tuning in for the first time now. But for last week's episode, these people went out, they shared it, they retweeted it, and they are honorary geeks of the week. Yep, Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Matt Ashcraft, Mark and Jerry BS, Sessions, Mark Alden-Taylor, The Rock and Metal Profs Podcast, Pantheon Podcast, Keith Rockford, Shay Hargett, Sit and Spin with Joe, Kevin Williams, Susan Fry, Mike Parnell, Wayne Cross, Resist and Bite. Nice. Thanks to them for sharing it. I hope you enjoyed their new song. Alan Black, Jay Shablewski, Eladio, Doug Fox, JJP, Body of the Soul, Kevin's on Fire, Steve, Ernesto Aguiar, Hakon Bergstad, Gregory Muse, JJ McElhenney, Vet Halen, Kristen Schimbeck, Rock and Ron Runyon, David Cathy, Scott Crouch, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. I think we nailed it that time. Yes. Why do these people get their name read on each and every episode of the Decibel Geek Podcast? Well, it's because they took last week's episode, they found it on Facebook, they shared it on their page. They found it on Twitter, they retweeted it on whatever they do over there. You (laughs) can also become a Geek of the Week. All you got to do is help us get the word out on the streets about what we're doing right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. If you know a KISS fan, share this episode with them. I think they'll enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. So let's, uh, this is going to be interesting. We're going to kind of go through our concert history with Kiss and, you know, Kiss related shows. And, um, you know, it's Aaron, you're older than me, but I, I have the bragging rights that I saw Kiss before you did. Well, and that's the cool thing about it because in the only setting in the entire world now, in this point in my life, nowhere else am I considered a youngster but in the realms of Kiss because I didn't see my first show until the 90s. Yeah. Same here. Right. You know, so we're in that magical era where we were so special and so awesome that even though the world told us you shouldn't be a KISS fan, we still were. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I I do want to give a shout out to our uh, regular listener every week, David Cathy, because he saw KISS's first appearance in Nashville at Mother's Music Emporium in 1974. And I think he was like 12 years old. But I'm, uh, and your father in law also saw that same show, I think. That's right. Yeah. Insanely jealous of both of them. (laughs) If only we could invent a rock and roll time machine, we could have been there too. Yeah, exactly. Because that would be one of my first stops. 
So, and I, I looked up some of the, you know, set lists and stuff on here and I, we're not going to go like song by song on everything, but I'll just point out some notable songs that were played. If they were played, of course, as we get closer to today, you'll notice that the set lists get very stagnant. Yeah. But, um, but my first Kiss concert was July 21st, 1990. And at the time it was still called Starwood Amphitheater. Um, it'll always be Starwood Amphitheater to, to me, even though it changed names several times before yeah. it closed down. It's it's Nashville, but Antioch, if you want to get proper with it. But yeah, I uh, ni- July of 1990, I was 13. Yeah. So yeah, I was th- 13 when I saw this show. And um, the opening bands were Slaughter and Danger Danger. And uh, the Hot in the Shade Tour, you know, we've talked about it a million times. But just an amazing set, an amazing uh, stage amazing set list because uh, from what i heard the crazy nights tour was not very well liked by a lot of fans uh didn't have a lot going on with the stage set list was kind of short 80s heavy um this was the first tour they really started bringing back some of the nostalgia with some of the older songs and uh they had the one-two punch of i stole your love going into deuce was an, an amazing way to open that show nice. and uh i think i stole your love is still my favorite kiss opener of all uh it it just kicked ass starting the show off and count myself very blessed to have seen eric carr live that was his last tour and yeah. uh but but a, a great show all around and this is you know july 90 you know rock and roll was still kind of king in the mainstream at that time so uh you know slaughter and danger danger were even pretty well like slaughter was very well liked i i know a lot of people showed up at that show to see slaughter i remember a lot of their fans being there and uh i found out later that uh they put a it was like a live EP or something around uh, like a year or so later that uh, had uh, their version of Eye to Eye from on that live EP was recorded at that Kiss concert, which oh, I thought yeah? was really cool. That's yep. pretty cool. I always like it when like the concert you were at, the song shows up mm-hmm. or the, you know, you find a bootleg or something of the show that you were at. Yeah. And, it, and you know, that's and that's professionally recorded. So it sounds great. And it's the only professionally recorded thing there is. There is an audio bootleg of this show that I've mentioned in the past is recorded somewhere out on the lawn um, with some redneck girl singing along with every song oh, yeah. and it ruins the whole experience. You know, <laughs> heaven's on fire. It's just so bad. And uh, yeah, I, I listened I to it once. It. I was like, well, that's ruined. But uh, I, my, bro- my older brother and his girlfriend took me to the show, and uh, he had just started driving around that time. So we had a, and there's a whole long story about our car breaking down and everything. But uh, the, we're not going to go into that today because well, you don't want to tell the story, story about your mom trying to get backstage to meet Eric Carr. I can tell it again if you think it's pertinent. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, it's in the archives. Go through all of our Kissmas in July episodes over the years. Enjoy it all. <laughs> Yeah, but, but they thought my mom was a deranged groupie looking for Eric Carr because That's my awesome. br- older brother's name is Eric, and she showed up at the wrong gate where she was at the gate where the the band's tour bus was, and she's like, Eric, Eric. That's so funny. One of the crew members comes up and he's like, "They've already gone to the hotel, ma'am." She's like, "What? She goes, are you here for? Are you here for Eric Carr?" And she goes, "Who the hell is Eric Carr?" I'm looking for Eric Sinzak. <laughs> And the guy says, who the hell is Eric Sinzak? <laughs> he's like, lady, you need to go to the other gate. <laughs> so that was that was funny. But uh, yeah, I got home at 3 o'clock in the morning from that concert. And uh, my dad was not in a good mood. No, I bet not. It was a great... I remember we were waiting to get in. 
and it was it was lightly raining and i remember thinking oh man it's gonna suck if it rains through the whole show but the rain let up and i remember while we were waiting at the to get in the uh you could hear kiss sound checking like you know off in the distance and i you know as a 13 year old kiss fan that's like that was like the height of me being gung-ho um i was super excited and that that show did not let me down at all it was a great way to to start my experience seeing them that's very cool before we go any further I think we need to stop for a second because I've got something that's been weighing on my heart for a long, long time. And I think, I think it's the best thing I can do is to come out about this on the show, you know, for everybody to hear, because I've been, this has been a secret I've carried with me for many years. And the only way I'm going to be able to set myself free from it is just to finally, finally tell the truth about when I went and seen Kiss on the Hot in the Shade tour, that's right. I'll never forget the next day, walking around with my Kiss tour shirt on, telling everybody how I'd been at the show, telling everybody how cool it was. But the truth is, I never went to that show. Man, it was the day after my birthday, my 15th birthday. And it's not like all these big bands were coming to Merrill, Wisconsin. You know, for me to go to a real concert meant going to Minneapolis, St. Paul, Madison, Milwaukee, or Green Bay. None of these places are right up the street from me. This is an ordeal to go see a show. So now I'm 15 years old. My older cousin Rhonda, she's going. And she's going with her friends, and they're going to have a good time. And, ooh, we love Slaughter so much. And, you know, they're going to have a blast. And I'm begging my parents, please, please let me go. You know, and I'm only 15, and they're not going for it. And they think I'm probably going to get lost or get in trouble. I probably already was in trouble. That was probably one of the reasons I couldn't go. But finally, it comes down to it. My cousin Rhonda would have took me, but my parents said no. I couldn't go. I was heartbroken. It was the worst birthday ever. I was so upset. But the next day after the concert, my cousin Rhonda showed back up, and she had a Hot in the Shade tour shirt for me. And being a young, dumb 15-year-old, I lived a lie and told people (laughs) I went to the show because I was embarrassed to tell them my parents said I was too young and I couldn't go. And I had the shirt, and to me... Being able to wear a Kiss shirt and say that you went to a Kiss show must be the coolest thing in the world. And I was denied that. And so I lived the lie and told everybody I went to that show. Yeah, that was my first concert. I'm Mr. Cool. I went and seen Kiss. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you oh, know, that's, that's... You pulled the wool over people's eyes. Yeah, that's junior high life, man. That's, that's hard times, junior high life. 15 years old. Willing to lie That's wild. to show people I'm a big Kiss fan. <laughs> and now I look back. And I didn't like, get a t-shirt. It seems so silly now to lie over something so dumb, but I live that lie forever. And, you know, I was talking to my buddy Jason today because I was trying to line up which shows I seen with who. And he was like, yeah, you never went to that show. I said, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But you told everybody you did. I said, I know. <laughs> oh, man. You're bringing out some deep shit from your, your yep. adolescence here. Yep. That's what kind of deranged <laughs> Kiss fan I also was at the age of 14, 15 years old. But no, my parents wouldn't let me go. But 
by the time 1992 rolls around, I'm 17 now. I'm going to see Kiss. I'll never forget it. They're back with Revenge. Unholy's out. It's awesome. They're busting out cool stuff in concert, man. I can't wait to see it. Now, I'm good friends with the Dinges brothers. Now, I've talked about these guys on the show before, way back. Many times, these guys, especially Eddie, has come up on the show. And these were. He listens to the show. These were dudes. I met them because, in case you didn't know, I am a multiple time Lincoln County 4 H softball champion. That's right. And it's all because of these three guys. They were big dudes that were in high school when we were little kids. And man, they could knock that softball out of the park every time they got up to plate. <laughs> <laughs> and they completely carried us to those championships. And eventually, I would work at their parents' bar. They had a place that served the best chicken on planet Earth. And I got to work there on Friday nights and batter the chicken and the fish and things like that and help get the meals ready. And, you know, it was a good little job for a young kid. I got to ride up there on my snowmobile in the wintertime. And a lot of times, because these guys were older than me, I'd be there on a Friday night and they'd come through and I'd be like, where are you guys going? And they say, we're going down to Stevens Point to see Tough. And I'd be like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it. If I could only go, you know, my parents don't let me do stuff like that, you know? And, So to get to go, I went with them. And so we cruised down to Madison, Wisconsin. We saw Kiss at the Dane County Coliseum on December 2nd, 1992. It was definitely December 2nd in Wisconsin because I remember it being freezing ass cold outside. And I had this big leather jacket on. This is my first time seeing Kiss. It's my first real concert. You know, I've seen little stuff at this point as a kid but this is my first real concert with my friends by myself no parents around and i'm just my mind is blown i'm so excited to go to this show so we're standing outside to get in and it's so cold i don't want to take off my leather jacket and so i'm wearing it but when we get inside as soon as they open the doors you just kind of show them your ticket and then it's the open area indoor arena where you just kind of run in and find your place on the floor And so when they let us in, man, I ran. I don't know if I ever ran so fast before or since, but I ran up and I grabbed a hold of that front barricade. I'm like, fuck, yeah, the stage is right here. I'm not leaving this spot until the concert's over. I was so, so excited. So we're hanging out in there and, you know, I'm hanging on to dear life and people are just kind of filtering in, but I'm not, you know, I'm serious. I'm not losing this spot. And so then we're hanging out, you know, and people are talking and it's starting to fill up and it's getting more and more people. And I got my spot. I'm not going nowhere. I'm just kind of chilling there now. And then Trickster comes out and it's like, okay, you know, and they kind of suck and nobody's really excited about them. So it's still kind of people just standing around a little bit, you know, it's gotten a little bit tighter. So then Trickster does their thing. They bum a few cigarettes off people in the front row and they hit the road and then Gray White comes out. And now, you know, now everybody's pretty snug. We're all tightened in there now. And it's getting hot. And I got that fucking leather jacket on now. And I wish I'd have just froze for 10 minutes outside instead of wearing it in. So now I'm in there. I'm sweating. It's hot. We're tight, you know, and it's, it's awesome. You know, great white kicks ass. They were so good that night. And then they're done. And then Kiss comes out. And it was like a shock because I'm up on that barricade and all of a sudden, like Kiss, boom, they're there. 
and it's like a surge to the stage, you know, and I'm like crushed on the barricade. I'm like, oh shit, you know? So I kind of get my arms down where I kind of hold myself up off of it a little bit. But I mean, there's people, fucking Paul Stanley comes over and he's going to give people five. And I'm like, this is awesome, except I can't lift my arm up to give him five because I'm holding my <laughs> ribs off the barricade as the people are jumping up over my back to try to give him, to try to touch the star child, you know? It was insane, man. That was my first experience at a concert. I held on to that spot all night long, rocked hard with Kiss, saw the girls dancing on stage, saw the face fall off the Statue of Liberty and all that, man. It was so cool. One of the highlights of my life, the very first time I seen Kiss. Mm, I'll never forget it. Yeah, and then you saw them almost, uh, let's say, what date? You said it was December 2nd. So uh, just like three weeks, three, three and a half weeks before is when I saw them in Nashville on that tour. It was November 6th, 1992. Nice. And that was my second Kiss show, and Went with my best friend Wes and his girlfriend and a girl that they were trying to set me up with. Like a, a, a kiss concert's not a great place for a blind date. I'll just say that. <laughs> he won't even Especially, look at me. He just jumps up and down and sings kiss songs. What what the hell is this? Well, it was one of those when you go on blind dates when you're in your teens, you you know within the first thirty seconds if it's going to work or not. And uh, I knew that it wasn't going to work. Do you like kiss? Even before no. the show started. Mm. Shit. Yeah, she had no interest in Kiss. She had no interest in me. And I'm kind of thinking, why did you even bother coming if you don't even want to see the band? But um, but that was fine. I was like, kind of, good, I can focus on the concert. I wasn't interested in you know meeting up a gr- with a girl that night anyway. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'll never forget the part where the Deja Vu dancers come out for Take It Off and... Uh, that girl's next to me looking really sour, like, you know, like, ugh. And, I'm, of course, I'm like, hell yeah, this is cool. <laughs> and then Wes has his, poor Wes has his girlfriend covering his eyes the whole oh, time. Oh, jeez. He was so mad. You know, and like you said, uh, Trickster, pretty forgettable. Uh, didn't really, and the, the crowd had no interest in them. Great White, they had a great response from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um and this was at Municipal Auditorium, which was, this was what was the big arena we had back in those days. And I think it was built in the 40s or 50s. Uh, it was like a circular domed arena. Yeah. And it it hold maybe like, it'll you know, and Kiss didn't really draw great on that tour. And Municipal Auditorium was like, a, I think it would hold five to 6,000. So it was, it looked jam packed in there, but it was only five or 6,000 people. Yeah. But, uh, but all the Kiss shows that I'll mention today, all the Nashville shows, every every show was attended well, like all of them were. So the Nashville's already always turned up for Kiss, but um, great show. Eric Singer on drums was great. They opened up with Creatures going into Deuce. That was a cool one-two yeah, punch yeah. to start it off. And then uh, you know a lot of the great set list on this tour. You know, Parasite, Watching You, Hotter Than Hell. Um, a lot of it was interesting. I remember halfway through the concert is when they played Rock and Roll All Night, which was kind of strange. You know, I remember that was odd. That's and, cool uh, though, man, because it never happens that way. And I even remember Paul kind of downplaying the song before when he introduced it. He was just kind of like, a lot of you come out here to hear us in the show with this. Well, fuck it. We're just going to play it right now and just and get on to kicking your ass or something like that. Yeah. And uh, they, they played it and it was good. And then the ending of the show was cool because like they, they, it was like Detroit shouted out loud, then God gave rock and roll to you, then Love Gun and the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. It was a... It was an interesting way that they went about doing the set that night, and uh, very cool. And like the laser show was cool on Eric's drum solo, and 
but yeah, it was it was a great concert. I have no complaints about that one at all. Um, yeah, I, I loved every and they did like twenty four songs. I mean, it was a long ass set list, yeah, but great, great concert. Yeah, you got to figure. You know, somewhere along the line, there they're like, okay, we're we're gonna have to get away from the poppy stuff and get heavy again. And then when it comes yeah. to playing out, they got to look back at their catalog and go, okay, what are our heaviest songs? You know, and they the cover that Anthrax had done of Parasite was fresh at that time, and I think that really yeah. influenced Kiss in a big way, where they said, you know, if this heavy stuff is what's popular right now. We can do heavy. We've done heavy before, you know, and we could take these old songs like Parasite and kind of play them anthrax style, you know, bust out watching you. When they play it like that, man, that is one heavy ass song. Yeah, and Eric Singer was great as drum the drummer for that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, he 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 brought a heavy dimension to the band. He was doing a lot of the double bass tricks and stuff and um but yeah, just a, a killer show. I loved I loved the stage show on that tour. I thought it was really cool. Um, but yeah, I I have great memories of that concert. So that would that was my second one. But uh, I guess we're going to kind of go in chronological order here. So um, my next one, and I've talked about it on the show, was Kiss playing on a floating stage at Riverfront Park in Nashville for the Gibson oh, yeah. 100th anniversary. Yeah, you show. got to see something special that night. Yeah, because it was. Uh, you know, and this was an all day all day festival that Gibson put on, and it had like Brother Kane and uh, Mother Station and Pat Travers and a really bastardized version of Fleetwood Mac played at this, where Mick Fleetwood was really the only guy from the the well known version of the band that was in the band. Um, they were interesting. Uh, he had a cool drum solo where he had drum pads all over his body, which was kind of weird, but <laughs> it was a uh, and like the China symbol was his crotch, which was funny. Nice. Um, but it was a it was a cool day because I remember as a you know of course as a really hardcore Kiss fan and a teenager at the time I remember watching all these bands going yeah they're cool they're cool but Kiss is going to blow every one of these bands away yeah yeah and they did and uh, I remember where because it was up on a it's just like a, a a grassy embankment is where you were sitting and there was like some uh, concrete like just areas that you sat on there was no right. seats or anything yeah. you just stood there and. There's like a little walkway down by the water going to the stage. And I remember watching the guys from Kiss get out of their van or their limo or whatever and, and walking down to go to the stage. And we're all like screaming over like, hey, hey, hey. And, you know, and they're waving up to us. That was really cool. Awesome. And uh, that's a really cool place to see bands. It is. And they, they used to do a lot of shows down there on the riverfront. I don't think yeah. they do them there anymore. It was a, I wish they would go back to that because it was really, really cool. But they had, uh, this was on J- July 30th, 1994. And the set, the set list for this was fucking amazing too. I mean, it was mostly the heavier stuff. And I, you know, they call I guess that you call this the kiss my ass tour. Cause that's what they were promoting at the time. They were just doing, you know, one-off shows. They did a big show in Chicago called blaze fest around this time, um, with a lot of other bands, but they were, uh, and you can see the, you can see most of this show on YouTube. So there were, there is a video of it. Um, but you had Deuce, I Stole Your Love, Got to Choose, Parasite, Going Going Blind got played. Nice. That was amazing. Um, Making Love was played on this show. Uh, War Machine, a lot of Gene songs. Calling Dr. Love, War Machine, I Love It Loud. And then they, they did not play rock and roll all night at this show at all. They skipped it. That's got to be one of the only ones, right, that that's ever happened at? Yeah, they just, they didn't even play it, which was amazing. And then, you know... Uh, the last three were Detroit, then Black Diamond with Eric Singer on vocals, which was like the fir- one of the first times he had ever, or really, yeah, one of the first times he had ever sang that song. And he sang it great. And then they closed out the show with Heavens on Fire. 
That was the only song that had any pyro. They had a little bit, like some flash pots go off at the very beginning of it. But other than that, there was no lasers, bombs, pyro, anything at this show. They just came out and kicked ass. And uh, I remember that the General Jackson showboat was like floating on the river with people all over it while they were playing Heavens on Fire. I'll never forget that, wow. that visual. This is the best boat tour ever. Yeah. And... Uh, they just it's super loud too. I mean, this was downtown Nashville, yeah. and they they cranked it up really loud. Nice. We, me and I think me and like four or five of my friends went to this show, and we we had to walk like eight blocks back to my to my car um, after it uphill too, because um, I I was working on Eighth Avenue at the time, and we parked on the roof of my work, and we we're walking back, and I just remember being absolutely exhausted from the concert. Like we were all just completely covered in sweat. It was. Uh, that might be the most magical concert of Kiss that I ever went to, oh, just because it was so different. You know, it was not a regular tour, and you could tell that the guys were just having fun because they weren't burnt out from playing show after show. They just flew in, played the show, and left. Nice. So uh, it was an, an amazing show. Is there any footage out there of that? Yeah, the whole thing's on oh, YouTube. Oh, nice. I got to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, just look up Kiss Nashville 1994 and you'll see it. It's got to be one of the most coolest, most unique Kiss concerts ever. You're so lucky to have grown up and been around Music City your life. I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was very happy that we got that show because that was a in other than Chicago, I think they 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 may have played in Phoenix at like the State Fair that year, but it was like maybe three or four shows completely in america that year and we got i got to see one of them nice that's awesome yeah man you're on a yeah. roll you're getting to see a lot more kiss without their makeup on than i am <laughs> so then that was 94 and then in november of 95 i got lucky to be one of the people that got to see the bad boys of kiss tour with peter chris and ace fraley and uh awesome. at a small place called 328 performance hall which is actually a venue that i've played i played there actually i played there earlier in that same year with my band so uh we I, I played there in april and then i saw peter and ace in uh november wow and uh that's crazy that was a cool show yeah i know and like pantera and the black crows and tool and a, and a lot of bands on the rise had played 328 and uh i remember it being really a big deal for me to, to be able to play there and then uh, getting to go back and see that show was cool. I was in college at the time. I got made fun of at Tower Records for buying tickets for it. Oh. I'll never forget that. Yep. The uh, the guy behind the counter just mocked the shit out of me for buying tickets for it. Uh, he thought it was just lame. He's like, oh, God. The, the two burnouts who couldn't even keep their job in Kiss. Oh, no. I was like, oh, thanks, asshole. Yep. I'll never forget Jeez. that. I wanted to punch the motherfucker. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, uh, asshole. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, me and the the guitar player in my band from high school, Jeremy, went to went to see this show. It was cold as fuck that night. I'll never forget that either. Um, really cold. And went there. Peter's band played. Uh, I've got the. I actually found the set list for these shows, and uh, that was a. He he did a lot, mostly his solo material, but he did do some stuff like they did. Hundred thousand years they played, yeah. which was cool. They did. Um, they did do Strutter. They did Black Diamond. They they did it like an acoustic version of Dirty Living with Peter playing on this woodblock thing. Wow, which was kind of weird. Who sang Hundred Thousand Years? It was a guy named Jason Ebbs who was the singer for Chris at the time. Okay. And I actually got to meet Jason at NAMM in 2017, and I brought up that show, and he told me some stories about that tour. We should get him on the yeah. show. Yeah, he's probably got some good. Stories. I want to hear those stories. 
Yeah, and he, for the longest time, has been playing in a band out in Vegas with Chris Slade from ACDC. Oh, right on. So, uh, yeah, but he, uh, they did, so they did uh, for the, the, you know, they had the Chris Cat 1 CD out around that time. Yeah. And uh, they, played, they played Show Me and Bad Attitude and some other stuff that's listed here that I don't even remember. You're Crazy and Knockin' and No Evil. I don't remember any of these songs. Yeah, Do you know any No, of those I don't know those songs either. I don't think they sound like songs off the Peter Chris album, and I know they're not I, Ace Fraley songs. Yeah, I don't think so. But they ended the set with, it was Dirty Living and then Acoustic, Hard Luck Woman and Beth is what they ended their set list with. Yeah. And um, they didn't go over well with the crowd. I remember the the audience was kind of dismissive of Peter, which I, I thought was kind of shitty, personally. Yeah, um, but they, you got to look at the set list. You know, you got to... Peter Chris got to know what these people want to hear, you know? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of tough. I think what if you're Peter Chris at that point, your best bet is to come out rocking. You know, do, don't do the dirty living acoustic. You know, rock that song out. You know, make that be your kickoff song to come out to. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then go from there. And then, like, do a little breakdown in the middle for Hard Luck Woman yeah. and Beth. You know, make it a quick little medley. Yeah. And then go out strong. You know, play, play the one new song, you know, Bad Attitude, which is a killer song. One of the best Peter Chris yeah. songs. Do that. And then, you know, finish it up with some Black Diamond. You know, that's how you do it. That's what I would think. But yeah, they ending it with two ballads is a little strange. Because then instead I, of a roar at the end of the concert, you get a... Yeah, it was like a bad, golf clap. You know? <laughs> and then um, Ace came out. Ace was fucking drunk as hell at this show. I'll never forget that. He was so hammered. He's got to sit through Peter Chris's set every night, you know? Poor guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> you drink too. <laughs> And Ace was sloppy, but he was still entertaining, and his band was awesome. I think Carl Cochran was playing bass for him at that time. Right on. Um, I don't know if Richie Scarlett was in the band there. Or not. Uh, it might not have been. I think it was, uh, there was a guy named Saul Zonana who might have been in the band then, or maybe Carl was playing guitar. I don't remember who all was in the band at the time. Um, I was a little inebriated myself at this show. Um, but uh, he did a great set, though. He opened with Watching You and then went into Shock Me, and... Then he did this. He was doing these medleys at the time. That was really. It was a big crowd pleaser for the diehards, and he um, he did a medley of it was insane into trouble walking into rock soldiers into speeding back to my baby. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. See Peter Chris, there you go. That's how you do it. And then uh, then he did Strange Ways, and Peter Chris came out and sang with him. Awesome. I remember that. That was cool. And they did nothing to lose. He did play rock and roll all night, which I thought was strange. Um, but I guess Kiss didn't do it the year before, so he made up for yeah. it. Uh, Cold Gin, Making Love, Love Her All I Can. Then he did Sister, New York Groove, Too Young to Die, Rocket Ride, Love Gun, She, Parasite, Detroit, 2000 Man, and then he ended the set with Deuce. Yeah, Richie Scarlet would have had to been at the ba- in the band at that point, I think. Because that would have been right yeah, after Trouble well, Walking, I, and if they're doing Too Young to Die, that's true. then he's got to be there. Yeah, and he would have sang that. Yeah. yeah. But it was, uh, but yeah, and it was, God damn, that, th- this was one of the loudest shows I've ever been to in my life. It was uh, not so much Peter's set, but Ace's set. Jesus Christ. It was like, Ace was like, okay, well, let's have the PA be at the level that you would play in arena, yeah. and we'll do it in a club that holds 300 people. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like my ears were killing me at, after that show. Wow. It was super, super loud. And then uh, 
and I've told the story on the show before. I met Peter after the show. Yeah. Uh, he bummed a cigarette off me, and we talked for a few minutes. Traded you for an super autograph. nice guy. Yeah, I got it. I'm looking at the autograph picture right now. But uh, yeah, he he was really nice. And then I I didn't go around the back to meet. I like Ace had a thing where like if he was selling like seventy five dollars to be in his fan club, and if you signed up for his fan club, you would get to meet him that night. And I did. I didn't do it because I was short on cash at the time anyway. Yeah. But I had two friends that I ran into after the show who did do that, and they said that Ace was a sloppy asshole to everybody after the show. Said <laughs> he was just a prick. Wow. I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah. I was like, okay. It's like just he didn't give a fuck about meeting anybody that night. <laughs> have Ace really be a dick to you? Only seventy five dollars. Uh, that's what they basically said. They were like, we paid $75 and he was an asshole to everybody. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, <man>. That sucks. <laughs> like, I didn't pay anything and I hung and I got to hang out with Peter Chris for 10 minutes. He so was super I, I think nice. I made out better than they did. Yeah. I'd yeah. He, Peter was great. But that was a, that was a unique tour to get to see. I was, I was really happy. I got to see that tour. Man. Again, so lucky to be in music city. Meanwhile, I'm stuck up in Merrill, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they. I, I thought that tour went through Milwaukee, but maybe it didn't. Yeah, and again, you know, it's it takes a lot more for me to get to a concert than just getting tickets and going, you know, across town. So it's a little trickier for me when I'm younger. But as I'm getting older yeah. now, you know, now I got my own car, now I got my own job, now I got my own wheels, now I got Kiss back, all in their original form, the thing I've been dreaming about my entire life. When they reunite in 1996 and go on that big old tour, man, it, there was nothing in this whole world that would have kept me from seeing them in St. Paul. That was the closest place they came on the first run through, and that was on July 13th of 1996. So the only real concert that I've been to before this was Kiss on the Revenge Tour. And I didn't have to worry about nothing because I had the Dinges boys watching out for me and they had my ticket all ready for me and everything. I didn't have to worry about nothing. Well, this time, we got to get tickets. And so it's me and my friend Jason. He's been my number one KISS friend for years. It's like, we were almost like, oh, there goes them two KISS guys, the two KISS fans, you know. We were the dudes. We were the two biggest KISS fans that I knew, you know, so we were automatically awesome friends. And we'd been friends for a long time, and we'd never gotten to see KISS all together with their makeup on. We were just too young, you know. The unplugged thing that just happened a little while before this, we watched it together. It blew our freaking minds to see Ace Fraley and Peter Chris on stage with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley again. And then when it all comes back together, it's, yeah, like I said, nothing could have kept me from being in St. Paul on July 13th of 96. So me and Jason, we don't know how to get tickets or nothing, so we assume the best way to get tickets is to be there when tickets go on sale at the ticket booth, first in line. That's the way to do it. So we do. We drive all the way to St. Paul. This is before the concert, like weeks before the concert, because we're just going to get tickets. So we get in line before the place opens. We get there super early. Like I work second shift, got done at like midnight or one o'clock in the morning, went and picked him up and started driving towards Minnesota. And so we get there, we get in line and they come out and they go, okay, kiss tickets are about to go on sale. You know, we're talking about doing like a lottery system where everybody gets a shot at it. And we're up towards the front. We're not, you know, there was other people that were there before us. But we're up towards the front. 
and we all start bitching. No way, dude. You know, all those people back there, they just showed up. We've been here waiting for hours to get these tickets. You've got to let us go first. So we, they go, okay, fine. They, they, you know, allow that to be. So ticket booth opens. Everybody's in line. Boom, boom, boom. You work your way on through. We each buy ourselves a ticket and we look at them and we don't know if they're good or not. You know, there's no telling, but we don't care because we're going to see Kiss. So we're so excited. So we drive around Minneapolis, St. Paul, hit a few music shops and head back over to Wisconsin. A couple weeks later, it's time for the show. So we jump back in the car, drive all the way back to St. Paul. And man, I can't think of being maybe outside of the birth of my son. I can't really think of anything. (laughs) And maybe marrying my wife, but I can't think of anything outside of those things that I was ever more excited for, had more anticipation for, and just the whole experience of spending your whole life as a KISS fan, but never getting to see them outside of pictures and old videos at the height of their power with all four original members, and to finally be granted that. It was like a a dream and a wish come true. And I'll never forget it, man. Tears came to my eyes. When I saw where our seats were. (laughs) (laughs) Were you like on the upper deck? Yeah, we were like up there off to the side, you know, but still, it was pretty awesome to get to see it, you know, and I don't know, there's something to be said for being kind of up above it a little bit and looking down on it and being able to see a good view of everything as opposed to being right up Mm -hmm. front. But I don't think it would have mattered where they would have put us because it was a it was a religious experience. It really was to have all that anticipation for all them years and have it finally, boom, the curtain drops and there they are. There's fucking Ace Fraley right there in his space, man. Get up, you know, rocking these songs, and it was just the greatest thing ever. I know it had to be, it had to have been kind of a religious experience for you as well. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, bittersweet that you know I've talked about it on the show before. Well, that's um, right. You know my my dad my dad passed like the week before, and uh, so I saw them. It was uh, April sixth, ninety seven. Uh, my dad died on the second. Oh shit, man! I so, thought that was the Psycho Circus tour. So this was your first time seeing Kiss, all in their glory. Yeah, wow. and uh, I, I'm trying to remember where i bought tickets for this i think it was there was a place called haddock's pharmacy which was downtown and i don't know why i picked this i think it was because it was closest to my work at the time and uh i (laughs) this pharmacy in a really bad part of town and i it was me and two other people and one of these idiots was wearing kiss makeup to buy his tickets (laughs) but um Anyway, sorry for using that word, but uh, no, it was. Uh, I'll never forget that. That's but uh, no, I was, and then I, um, my brother was gonna go to the concert with me, but he was just a little too out of it emotionally after what happened with my dad. And yeah, I remember it was it was hard to go, but at the same time, I, like my family kept pushing me, like you know, your dad would have wanted you to see this. You need a break from all this, and um, because like it was like on the second day of visitation that I went to see the show. So like my emotions were fucked at the time. And, um, but it was like two hours to get away from all the pain I was in. So it was one of those things where I was already excited to go to the show, but it almost became a therapeutic thing to be there. And it did, it took me away from, from everything for a while. So it was, it was amazing to see 
Um, I didn't have great seats for this show either. I was I was I was kind of midway up in the back, but but still, it was still cool to see. I had binoculars that I had brought so I could look, you know, see them up close. And I remember uh, Gene flying up to the rafters after spitting the blood yeah. and putting the binoculars and seeing his face and everything. I was just like, wow, this is crazy to see live. You know, and I was one of those people that. As a Kiss fan who got into him in '87, I never expected the reunion. No. I never thought it would ever happen. And because they said a so million it was, times uh, it would never happen. Yeah, and I, I just was like, ah, they're never going to get along. It's not going to happen. So I was really caught up in all of that whole time of being a Kiss fan was magical. Magical. And probably as close as you could get to what the people that were lucky enough to see him in the '70s had to had to get. And I'm, it may not, maybe it did pale to them, but. To me and you and a lot of people who had never seen it before, it was fucking amazing. Well, I think and, uh, I think in some ways it's even more important because the people in the seventies they didn't know what they were missing. They didn't have to live their whole lives with this mythological thing of yeah, right. you, you like Kiss up there with their you know neon pants, spandex, and shit on. <laughs> Look at this, you know, and be like, yeah. holy shit! Or like me seeing it since I was a little bitty kid, but too little to to you know ever really truly enjoy it outside of listening to the records at my grandma's house. But you know, the people of the seventies didn't have to live through not having it. They didn't know it was yeah. there until it was there. And they're like, this is awesome. We had to suffer first before we got real kiss. Yeah, and I saw I saw them in April of 97. So this was what they called the Lost Cities Tour. It was like the, the second leg of the U.S. And so Nash, this is Nashville's first time seeing it. And the thing that will stick with me, obviously the, the curtain dropping at the beginning of Deuce. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden there they are in front of you. And then when ace goes into the solo and like the spotlight hits ace i remember the whole crowd just went ape shit yeah when when he broke into that solo and i was just like holy fuck they're actually back together again I, that was impressive to me and then um they did uh you know being the second leg they changed they didn't change the set list a lot but they did add come on and love me which is one of my favorite kiss songs yeah, and i remember that being a bit of a surprise and also this was the night after Peter Chris had to sit out the Columbus, Georgia show where his drum tech played for him. And the, I remember there being all the, the talk on the internet about like, Oh my God, is Peter Chris going to play in Nashville? I was like, you know, there were, there were even people on the internet saying that Peter had left the band. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, like we may, I may have to watch the fucking drum tech play this show. Dang. And, uh, but no, but Peter kicked ass at this show. he, he played like he had something to prove, and he, and they they were they were sharp the whole night. That's awesome. Yep. I love it. So now that Kiss is back, I'm not missing no more shows. <laughs> <laughs> and then I start missing shows after yeah. this point. See, this is but, this uh, is where we'll I catch up with you. If we if we look at our lists, I think if you just talk about Kiss, I might have you beat by one show. But if you break it down to Kiss without their makeup, yeah, you definitely got me on right. this one. But the reunion tour, man, they're looping through and they're coming right back because on August 10th, Kiss is back to Wisconsin this time to the Bradley Center in Milwaukee. Now, the first one in St. Paul, I had no idea if I was ever going to see them again. I don't know if it was announced that they were coming back from Milwaukee. I don't really remember. 
All I know is this time I was way smarter. See how much I grew and matured in just a few months? Now I know you don't drive to Milwaukee and get in line at the Bradley Center the day tickets are released. You drive up the road to the Piggly Wiggly. You make friends with the person on the, that's running the, the, uh, <laughs> the service counter. And you get them to call it in for you because this time I got way better seats. Unfortunately, I wasn't completely matured at that point because instead of bringing my good buddy Jason, my number one kiss friend, I brought a hot girl. <laughs> but I don't know that she was much of a kiss fan, you know, so it wasn't it wasn't what I thought it should have been, I guess, you know, and it probably definitely wasn't what she thought it should have been, but it was me standing next to a pretty girl, but only watching Kiss. How what a nerd I was. <laughs> But man, so good at it. <laughs> but yeah, back at the Bradley Center, Milwaukee, I think we probably drank too much. And I think we slept in the car in the parking lot and drove back the next day. <laughs> wow. But it was August. We weren't going to freeze to death. And uh, yeah, that was it was cool, too. Our seats were a lot better. We were right up front. I don't know. We weren't right up front, but we were down on the floor, probably maybe 20 back. But to have the different perspective from being up above and seeing it a few months before and now being on the floor and seeing it, it was pretty great. You know, and same thing brings a tear to my eye when I think about it, seeing Ace Fraley and Peter Chris up there with Gene and Paul. And like you said, it was something we never thought was going to happen, you know. And so when they played St. Paul and I seen it and they announced Milwaukee, it's like, I got to go see it again. You know, I just got to go see it again. Mm -hmm. I can't miss this because who knows how long it's going to last. So, yeah, I was definitely in for Milwaukee within a couple of months of each other seeing Kiss back-to-back, the real Kiss. Right. That's awesome. My next time seeing him was the Psycho Circus Tour, and uh, my brother did go with me to this one, which was kind of special because, like, he hadn't seen them with me since my first show on the Hot in the Shade Tour. And um, he, ha- you know, ha- he happened to be in town. Or he was actually back living in Nashville at the time. And uh, this was at the same arena they did the reunion tour. I remember this show, though, being aware that you could tell something wasn't right with the band. They were a bit more on autopilot at this show. Uh, you could, Ace, and, Ace and Gene in particular had put on a lot of weight. And they just the chemistry seemed a bit off at the Psycho Circus Tour show that I saw. And they, uh, it was still an entertaining show. I didn't like the 3D thing. I thought it was kind of chintzy and stupid. It was like, I mean, it, at, at first when you saw the effect work, it was kind of cool, but it felt like every two songs that had this message come up on the screen, put on 3D glasses. Yeah. And I eventually got it. Everybody next to me, too, we were all like, fuck you. We're just going to watch the concert. I still got my 3D <laughs> and, uh, glasses. Oh, I do, too. Oh, yeah. And I've got, it, I've got it in a scrapbook <laughs> with some of the uh, confetti that came down. Nice. Um, with my my ticket and the review from the uh, Tennessean, but uh, but I remember it being a, an interesting show. But I, they seemed a little bloated and kind of running through the motions. It seemed didn't seem as magical as the reunion tour. Um, nothing major in, that was interesting in the uh, set list. It was kind of their standard set list. They did do they did into the void, which came off okay, um, and they did within, which I love on the record, but sounded like garbage live. I thought it was terrible. Um, and I think I was the only person that was kind of pumping my fist for that song. Everybody in the crowd was like, fuck this. Because um, I love the song on the record. Yeah, but, uh, me too. And I, uh, of note for this show is it was the last show 
on the North American tour for Psycho Circus. It was the end of January 1999. Okay, so I had just seen them probably about a month before you did on that tour. Mm -hmm. And this time, not only is Kiss back together, but I'm getting the band back together. I've got the Dinges brothers and my awesome Kiss friend Jason, and we're all going to Milwaukee back to the Bradley Center once again to see Kiss. So now this is my third time seeing them with all four original members, and I had a blast at the show. Yeah, the 3D thing was kind of silly, and it kind of took away from the show more than I think it it brought you into it because it was like, Mm -hmm. like you said, you'd have to pause and be like, oh, now is the time you're supposed to put on the glasses. And it didn't do that much. It wasn't that mind-blowing, you know, what you were seeing. And I was just there to see the band play, and it was a great time. You know, and it was it was the end of an era because that was the last time. I'm so grateful I got to see him three times, but that's the last time I'm going to see the fully reunited in all their awesome glory. Last time I'm going to see Kiss. Oh, you didn't see the farewell tour. I did not see the farewell tour. The farewell tour happens for me the closest spot. Let me check. Let me check my notes. For me, the farewell tour, the closest spot's going to be in Milwaukee at the Marcus Amphitheater, and that's on May 19th of 2000. That's a couple of months after Ace is born, my son. So not a lot of extra cash laying around to go to KISS concerts, but, you know, that comes with the territory of being a new dad sometimes. I guess you just got to kind of let that stuff go. It was a heartbreaker, but, you know, it wasn't KISS's fault I made a baby. It was their fault I named them after a member. <laughs> well, indir- indirectly, it might be their fault you made a baby. They taught us everything we know about exactly. sex, Exactly, right? yes. <laughs> yeah, you, le- you learned how to do the Paul Stanley workout. That's right, and then Ace that's all it up. was. And then, well, what do I know? I'm a dad. I don't know how to be a dad. I only know aerobics. That's what happens when you do a workout for clean minds and, or dirty minds and clean minds. Um, <laughs> you know, that's right. So tell me about when you saw the farewell tour, since I didn't get to go. Thanks a lot, Ace. Thanks a lot, little baby. <laughs> well, speaking of Ace, well, speaking of Ace Fraley, uh, he'll come up in this part. Um, a- April twenty eighth, two thousand, they played at what I'm going to call it Starwood, but they called it Am South Amphitheater yeah. by that time. Stupid naming rights crap. Um, this was a this is kind of the first concert that uh the internet and meeting people from the internet came into play for me because there was uh Kiss Asylum is still around but uh they had a big message board at the time that a lot of us would get our information from and I I got to make a lot of friends through the uh Kiss Asylum bulletin it was called a bulletin board then and a bunch of people were coming into Nashville for this concert and I set up a like a this is like me being an organizer bef- well before Rock and Pod. Wow. I uh, I set up a meetup for all the the Kiss Asylum people that were coming in, and I think about ten people showed That's up cool. for it. And That's uh, really cool. Yeah, and I got to meet at several people. We did it out here in Hickory Hollow at a. It was just like a it was called like the Courtyard Cafe, and they had like an outdoor uh, you know patio thing and. They had a, I remember they had a house band playing, and we had you know we all brought Kiss stuff in. I even brought a little TV and was playing bootleg videos on it and stuff. And uh, I think we had more fun before the concert than at the concert. But it was uh, the the house band was there. They're playing typical classic rock covers. And at one point though, they did go into She, 
And I remember everybody was like, oh, yeah, you know, we loved hearing that. Um, wow, that's awesome. Of all the Kiss songs that the host band knows. Yeah, they knew that one. Well, they, they played like a like a verse and a chorus of it. They didn't play the whole thing, yeah. but, but it was still cool to hear it. And uh, But a bunch of us, like like people coming in from all over the country, and then we all headed over to Starwood, and I had I just had grass seats for this show. And because um, I was a little suspect about how this was going to go after how they sounded on Psycho Circus. And at this point, you know, the internet was kind of rampant with rumors about how bad the band was getting along at this time. And yeah. And it, it did come out on stage a bit. Um, you could tell Ace had definitely succumbed back into past vices because he was fucked up as hell at this show. And, Dang. Uh, and, uh, and Peter's. Peter's drumming had gotten pretty bad by that point. Um, it was uh, it was not a great concert. It was fun. It was a fun concert, but as far as their performance, it was a little lackluster. And I remember uh, they had given Ace two songs in the set this time, and he had he was doing um, "Shock Me" early in the set, and then he was they came back later and did two thousand man." And I remember, yeah. so he did "Shock Me" earlier, and then you know several songs later. Paul gets up. We're going to turn the mic back over to Ace Fraley. Ace, what are you going to do this time? Ace gets up on the mic and goes, this one's called Shock Me. <laughs> and like the whole crowd just got real quiet. And then you could, you, could, <laughs> you could actually hear them laughing on stage at Ace. And then Ace starts cackling and goes, I guess we already did that one, huh? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> goes, 2,000 man. And then they went into it. It's like, like he forgot that they had already played the song. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's so yeah. Ace Fraley. It was very Ace Fraley. The whole crowd started cracking up, though, when they all realized. They were like, didn't he already play that song? And uh, they uh, they did. Th- this was the tour. They they had Peter, uh, Peter and Ace doing uh, Heavens on Fire and Lick It Up, which was yeah. really strange to see those two guys playing those songs. Um, they came off okay because they're, they're relatively easy songs to play, but it was just odd hearing 80s unmasked Kiss songs with, you know, full makeup and bombs and everything. But, um, but yeah, not their best performance. Uh, and I remember, I remember Paul was really playing up the farewell card through the whole show in between songs. It was, he was really hyping the nostalgia of, you know, the, someday, you're going to come see a band here and they're not going to give you what you deserve, but you'll think back to tonight when it was real. And I'm kind of thinking, boy, it's hindsight 2020 now, but, um, right. Yeah. Cause it's not real. If you see them now, but anyway, um, it was, uh, it was a fun concert, but it was a little, it was, they, you could tell the band was falling apart on stage. They were, they were not getting along well at the time. I'm still glad I went just cause it was like, I knew I was like, this is going to be the last time I see Peter and Ace with these guys. And it was, um, but it was a fun show. Yeah, I wish I'd have gone to in retrospect. I could have just put you know little three month old baby in a knapsack or something and just went. Yeah, but it was a long set. They played like twenty one songs at that show. So yeah, I don't. And I think an opening was uh, well, it was Skid Row and then Ted Nugent opened. Um, but you've been to shows at Starwood, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Any show you went to Starwood, unless you wanted to get there at. 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon you were going to be stuck in traffic getting into that fucking place because it was the it was like a one lane road getting into it and that is the perfect segue to my next kiss live experience and that happens in 2003 
And it is at the Amsouth, I mean, Starwood Amphitheater, as we all know it. It's dead now. There ain't nothing there now. That's sad, man. Empty lot, yeah. That place was legendary, and it's gone now. But I'm down here in Nashville now, and it's 2003. Ace is three years old. He's ready to start going to concerts now, right? Yeah. So September 2nd, me and a friend, we grab Ace, little three-year-old kid, we head on out to the Starwood Amphitheater, and exactly like you say, it's a fucking traffic jam. It's terrible. And we're trying to get into that place, and we're trying to hurry, because I don't know who's opening and who's closing the show. So it's like, we've got to hurry up and get in this place in the off chance that Kiss is opening the show. We can't miss any of it. And sure enough, man, by the time we got in there, found a place to park, got up, turned in our tickets, got inside the place, Kiss had already started. But we caught him pretty early. And this was the show I went to, and it was exciting to me because I was taking my kid, I was sharing with him something that meant a lot to me. What sucked about it was that Ace Fraley and Peter Chris weren't in the band at that point. Well, Peter was. No, yeah, Peter was in the band still then. Yeah, but Ace wasn't. Why is that? When was Peter in but not Ace? It was the reason for that was so you know Peter left during the farewell tour, and then mm-hmm. they got they got Eric Singer to do the um, the rest of the farewell tour, and then they set up the Aerosmith tour, and they were going to keep Eric they were going to keep Eric Singer on drums, and and have Ace come back, but Ace didn't. Ace was like, "You were doing a farewell tour. I was only signed through the farewell tour. Piss yeah. off! I'm not doing it." and Aerosmith made it clear in the contract, I think it was with Live Nation, that they would do the tour with Kiss only if they had three of the original members. So they were stuck yeah. having to get Peter to come back to the band. Wow. And if you remember back to a Beat the Geek question a while back, the reason Aerosmith ended up as the headliner on all them shows is because Kiss didn't have all four of the original members. That's right. And that was part of the deal, too. Yeah. So at the time, I didn't know that. We got to see most of the show, but then I remember like being annoyed at people because they'd be like, "Yay, Ace Fraley!" and I'm like, mm, <laughs> "That's that's not Ace Fraley, you know, that's some other dude, you know." And now, you know, I'm a little older, a little more mature. I actually respect the hell out of Tommy Thayer after watching that biography thing. It really kind of strengthened my love for that guy a little bit. Of course, he's no Ace Fraley. He sure looks a lot like him. When he's up on stage, plays a lot like him too. But honestly, there's nobody that I can think of that I'd rather have in that spot. If you had to pick somebody to replace Ace Frehley, yeah. I mean, there ain't nobody that can do it better than Tommy Thayer, you know. So it is what it is. We had a good time. It was a fun concert. I got to take Ace as a little kid to go see Kiss, and that's what I remember about it. Just being with him, and you know, him knowing the songs right. from spending three years with me. He knew all the stuff, so it was a good time. We hung out for a good part of Aerosmith, but then we thought, if we're ever going to get out of this place, we got to kick early, and yeah. so we had to, and so we did. I heard that a lot of KISS fans left early at that show. Did you see a lot yeah. of people leaving? Yeah, and it's you know it may not be the case of, oh, we've seen KISS, now we can go. I mean, it kind of was for us, because if it would have been the other way around, we'd have suffered. You know, we'd have suffered waiting three hours to get out of that place. But because it was the other way around, I didn't feel as bad about leaving. But they were playing songs off of honking on Bobo and shit, you know? Well, and I 
I had already heard through the internet about you know what Aerosmith that was going to be, and I'd seen and I love Aerosmith, but and I even liked you know the '90s version, but I saw the set list they were playing, and I'd seen Aerosmith in a full headline show probably two years before this, and and I had fun, but I was like I don't really need to go see Aerosmith on this tour, and I didn't like the fact I didn't like the fact that Kiss was opening, but above all else. I was still pissed off that that farewell didn't mean farewell and call me dumb for yeah. that. But I and I didn't like somebody else being in Ace's makeup. That irritated the shit yeah. out of me. And also after as badly as Peter played on the farewell tour, I was like, I don't know if I want to see Peter play again right now. So although I heard he did play better at this tour than he did on the farewell tour. I mean they played good. I mean yeah. the show was fine. It, it was a bummer that Ace Fraley wasn't there, you know, and this was my first time seeing him since the end, like I said, the end of that era where it was all four of them. But, I mean, they still put on a pretty good show. Like I said, to me, it was all about taking my kid to go see Kiss because this is a little baby. He spent three years with me. He knows all these songs. He sings along with them all. I just thought it would be fun. You know, personally, I could have probably missed it and it wouldn't have hurt my feelings. But the circumstance and the tickets and everything fell into place. And I thought, well, this is a fun way to go spend a night with my kid. Right. And so he was just a little guy. So the next time I see him is back at the Starwood Amphitheater in 2004. This is, without question, even though it's not Ace Fraley and Peter Chris in 2004, this is one of my favorite Kiss concerts that I ever went to. And it's one of the most fun concerts, period, I ever went to because it was the Rock the Nation tour. It was on July 2nd in Nashville at the Starwood Amphitheater. I went with my brother and his girlfriend, who would end up being his future wife, Eric and Josie, and we had Ace with us. Now, he's four years old, so he's a little bit older. He can enjoy it a little more. We're up in the grass seats. Poison's opening up the show. They're great, and it's just a great party, fun atmosphere. It was like, uh, I don't know, it was, it was my brother's first time seeing Kiss, because he, you know, lived with it his whole life because I was his older brother. You know, I was his weird kiss-loving older brother his whole life. And it was really cool to get to see my younger brother get to see Kiss for the first time. Right. And I just remember what a fun time it was. And not at that point, I guess I was over it. You know, the initial shock of, you know, the whole Ace Fraley, Peter Chris stuff, it's, it's done, it's over with, and Kiss is carrying on, and they got Eric in the Peter Chris makeup, and they got Tommy Thayer in, filling in for Ace now, and but it was still a fun show, and it was a good concert. I remember getting the, uh, the CD afterwards, like you could go ahead of time, pay for it, get a ticket, and then after the show, you get back in line, and you get up there, and you can get a CD of the show you just saw. I thought mm-hmm. that was super cool. One of the best moments of the show, I think, Paul Stanley does his little spiel about the future of the KISS Army. You know, hey, just a couple of years ago, it was supposed to be over, right? But now we're talking about the future of the KISS Army. And he said it was because he saw so many young kids out there. He's like, lift those little kids up in the air. They're the future of the KISS Army. I remember picking Ace up on my shoulders and him going, yeah, you know? And it's like, <laughs> man... What a great day this was, you know. Two days before Independence Day, 2004, spending time with my brother, my future sister-in-law, and my son, and just having fun on a great summer day, rocking the nation with Poison and Kiss. I loved it. They did a good set list on that tour, too. They opened up the, yeah. the catalog a lot. And the 
The only reason I didn't go to this show, I was over kind of being pissy about something. And I was actually happy that Eric Singer was back in the band. I was like, oh, good. The drums are going to sound really good again. And yeah. uh, But I, the thing that I couldn't do, this is similar to you, you know, when Ace was just born, Hannah, you know, Hannah was still a baby at this time. And we were we were broke. We had just moved into our own place out in Laverne and had no money. And I had our older two kids came back to live with us. So I was we were truly hand to mouth at that time and I was just like, I can't justify blowing money on a concert ticket right now because we could barely keep our fucking lights turned on at the time uh, but, uh yeah. that's that's one show i really really regret missing because i it sounds like they it was a great tour because they had a great set list i would i wanted to see poison you know it sounds seems like it was a good show i just remember it being so much fun you know mm-hmm. i don't re- even particularly remember the set list i don't remember what poison played i don't remember any specific moments other than like lifting ace up in the air when paul stanley calls for the little kids but I just remember the whole experience and everybody involved. It was like a perfect day, a perfect concert. Yeah. And a lot of fun. You saw uh, Ace a few years after this, right? Yeah, so then jump ahead to 2008. We'll just kind of skim through these, I guess, a little outside of KISS. But I saw Ace Fraley in Atlanta at Center Stage on February 22nd of 2008. At the time, it was announced, but there was only a couple of shows announced, and I didn't know if he was going to eventually come back to Nashville, and I thought, you know, if this is my only chance to see him, I got to go. So I grabbed my buddy Tommy, and we made the road trip down to Atlanta. We got there a little early, hung out, had a few beers across the street at a bar, and then made our way over to center stage, and Ace Fraley was back. It was my first time ever getting to see him by himself, and it blew me away, man. I had so much fun. And get to see Ace Fraley doing his thing without anybody else around telling him what to do, playing all kinds of good music. It was great, man. I was super stoked for that one. And then come to find out, just like two months later, he's coming to Nashville. So it's like, oh, great. You know, I'm going to go see him again. So on May 22nd, I go see him at the Wild Horse Saloon. But this time I bring my wife and my son with me and we do the meet and greet afterwards. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit before Decibel Geek starts because I remember meeting James Downey backstage and he's got a little microphone and they're carrying around a little soundboard and he's interviewing people. And that was my first kind of introduction to somebody actually doing a podcast. I was like, oh, that's what that is. Okay, that makes sense. And then we got to meet Ace Fraley. He was super cool. Met the whole band. I mean, they were all great. That was that was a good lineup he had around that time with, with the Anomaly lineup. And uh, mm-hmm. me and my wife and my son got to get our pictures taken with him. I got to introduce Ace Fraley to my son. And he says... My name's Ace, too. And Ace says, ah, pair of aces. I'll never forget that. (laughs) Oh, man, my heart swelled so big when that happened. I was like, oh, that is just the coolest thing ever. And he was awesome, awesome. you know. And so then, yeah, we saw him at the Wild Horse, and that was awesome. And then my next kiss run-in doesn't happen till 2018. But before we get to 2018, I I do have to add, um, I, I took my stepson, Aaron, to see kiss on the alive 35 tour and that was in october of 2009 at uh they were the nashville arena which at the time they were calling it the so may center oh yeah and uh it it was uh buck cherry was the opening act and and aaron my kid was a was pretty young at the time and i remember trying to be a good dad because anyone who knows buck cherry knows that they throw f-bombs off like every third word so 
I remember I was making him walk around the outside part of the arena until Buck Cherry got off stage because I didn't want him to be exposed to it. Oh. I remember being because his because his mom was like, "Don't have him see Buck Cherry because those guys are are pretty vulgar." I was like, "All right, all right." Yeah. But uh, which I wasn't that upset. I'd seen Buck Cherry in a club; they were great. But I was like, "I don't need to see Buck Cherry in an arena. It's no big deal." Here for Kiss. And then um, and Kiss came on and. It was a good show. Um, they were doing, you know, most most of the Alive album. It was really the Sonic Boom tour is what it was. But um, and they did say yeah, and I, they did Modern Day Delilah, and my kid had a great time. He he really enjoyed it, and it was it was cool to take him to get to finally see the spectacle up close. I was I was kind of lukewarm on the band by that time, but I, I still love Sonic Boom, and I was like, oh, it'd be cool to see him. And I remember we got the USB wristbands. We you order it before the show, and then you get a wristband with the concert on it after the show. Oh, nice! And uh, the you know it's one of those things where you're in the arena, everything sounds great, and you're having a good time. And then you listen to that later, and that was when I could tell Paul's voice was starting to go. Yeah, because uh, especially once you got to strutter, his voice is cracking all over the place. I was like, wow! I was like, Paul's voice is shot, and you don't really notice it at the show. But uh, I remember, but he. My kid had a great time, and he still talks about it now. And he was like, oh, I wish we could do the meet and greet. I'm like, forget it. <laughs> Unless we win the lottery, we're not doing that. Yeah. Because it's like, it was like two grand or something. But um, that was – and I thought that was going to be the last KISS concert I went to, but we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, you, now you and I have our first shared KISS experience under some weird circumstances. You know, just to wrap it up with that, though, there is something magical about seeing – the look in a child's eyes when they're witnessing mm-hmm. Kiss for the first time. Oh, yeah. I watched him more than I did the band. Yeah, me too. With the times that I've taken my kid yeah. to concerts when he was little, it's it's almost more of a thrill to watch them react to it. And the joy that it brings them transfers to you because you love them so much. And they're getting to appreciate something else you love a lot, too. And man, yeah, some of the best memories of my life is taking Ace when he was little to go see Kiss concerts and go see Ace Fraley and fun things like that. So now that brings us up to the Decibel Geek era, and we're going to start witnessing things together. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, depending on how you look at it, because this weekend was one of the best weekends of my life. And I'm talking about the weekend of January 20th of 2018, when the KISS fans descended on the Atlanta Marriott for the big old KISS convention and the return of Vinnie Vincent. What a, what a wild weekend that was. So much fun. But we got to see him kind of, sort of play acoustic. Yeah, kind of, sort of is the, probably the best way of putting it. I watched that video <laughs> back today when I knew we were going to be talking about this, and I don't know that I ever watched the whole thing. But him on stage with that yeah. acoustic guitar, man, it was it was a really cool thing to be there and see. But when you watch yeah. the video back, it's kind of like what you were talking about with Kiss. Like when you're in the moment of it, it's the greatest thing ever. When you watch it back, it's not as good <laughs> as you remember it to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, but it was cool to be in the room because it was a definitely a kind of a historical moment. It was definitely a historical moment. But uh, I, although my favorite memory is still 
when uh, we're we're like hanging out. We we moved around a lot in the ballroom yeah. <laughs> when we're in the back, and and uh, Vinny's doing the uh, the Q and A, and he mentions Eddie Trunk, and Aaron's right next to Eddie Trunk, and Aaron busts his balls. Aaron just goes, "Who's Eddie Trunk?" Yeah. <laughs> and Eddie turns around like, "What the fuck is Eddie that? Trunk? Who the fuck is that?" And he looks at me, and I just kind of elbow him, go, "I'm just kidding, dude." <laughs> I know you're standing right next to me. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> And then cutting up with Vinnie Vincent himself, you know, back when he was being nice yeah. to us. Yeah. 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 Before he hated our guts. Yeah. That was <laughs> the good old that days. That was a fun 10 minutes there. <laughs> yeah, it was. Aaron on his, what, fifth or sixth Bloody Mary after standing in line for two hours waiting to meet him. Yeah, but I'm over there and I got Vinnie Vincent cracking up and laughing and having a good time. That guy does not like to have a good time. So let me tell you, it was something special. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> But it was a cool. It was a cool weekend. Regardless of the fallout that happened later, yeah. I'll I'll always have great memories of that weekend. It was fun. Yeah, and if you want to be a part of that or feel like you were a part of it, go to Decibel Geek TV and Rock and Ron's got the whole experience down. It's a pretty cool thing to watch. Yeah, Aaron, me, and Rock and Ron, we we just had a fucking blast yeah, that whole weekend with a lot of awesome friends. Was, yeah, it was a great great time. Well, then, two days later, we're back in Nashville at the Mercy Lounge at the Rock and Roll Residency, and we get to see Gene Simmons perform two songs. That was wild. That was freaking awesome, man. So cool. And that was back when he's playing with the uh, the Gene Simmons band, talking about Brent Fitz and Ryan Cook and Jeremy Asbrock and Phil Schaus. And they're having a big old party in Nashville for a great cause, and Gene Simmons shows up. And it was one of those things where it was a secret, but it wasn't a secret. Yeah, it was the worst-kept secret in town. But everybody (laughs) knew, you know? And so this place was freaking packed. It wasn't built for Gene Simmons, you know? Gene Simmons Mm -hmm. needs a bigger area than what these guys had that night. And so we're literally packed in there like sardines. But, man, when Gene Simmons hit the stage... One of the coolest things I ever seen because he's not he's not Gene Simmons the demon. He's not you know, he's not anything like you would see on stage. He's a normal dude up there busting out a couple of songs with his friends, for his friends, and for a very small group of people to what Gene Simmons is what he's used to looking off the stage and seeing. And yeah. he was and he was great, man. He was really great when they do Deuce and Gene sang and then did lead uh-huh. vocals and then they did uh what else they did they did something else too. Wanna say shout it out loud maybe with the other guys singing? Maybe. I can't remember I know they did Deuce, but I can't remember what the other song was. All I know is we were all just gobsmacked that we were seeing Gene Simmons in a tiny little club. It was crazy. Coming right off of two days earlier being down in Atlanta for the KISS convention and then it's like come back to Nashville and it's like what kind of life do I lead? This is amazing. You know, I'm doing something right here. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was, uh, I'll never forget that show. That was so much fun. And like they, they had to have uh, gone over fire code for attendance in that place. You couldn't fit anybody else in that building. What a treat, man. I'll never forget that either. Yeah. So then I guess the next one for me after that, well, this is one, hey, this is another one we both go to. Uh, May 3rd, 2019, we go see Ace Fraley at the Nashville Marathon Music Works. 
and I got Chris with me and my buddy Tommy, and we hang out. We record a bunch of stuff for VIP and have a good time. And man, what a show! This is probably my favorite Ace Frehley show. It's got the boys, our boys, our Decibel Geek brothers, mm-hmm. our friends, Ryan Cook, Jeremy Asbrock, and Phil Schoss in the band. It's our first time getting to see them play with Ace Frehley, and man, did he blow doors off! Man, so good, that, so good. They were awesome. Yeah, that was that was that show had a lot of fire to it. I remember that was everyone was in a zone that night, and you know that our friends that were in Ace's band, it was like, it was homecoming for them. So you know they were extra amped up, I'm sure. Yeah. But Ace was really into it. He was on the money. The set list was killer, and uh, everyone had a blast. That that's one of the best Kiss related shows I've ever been to, and it was Me just in, in Marathon Music Works and. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about our the last one was the Aaron and I going to the end of the road tour. But to me, yeah, the the Ace Frehley show 2019 was way better than the Kiss End of the Road tour show that we saw. And that's what I was going to say. We messed up because we actually seen the end of the road tour in April, and this show was in May. Because I remember there yes. was more than one person walking out of that place that night, going, "Wow, Ace Frehley was better than Kiss." I thought by far that's just crazy because you know Kiss has got all the bells and whistles now and they've got all this stuff you know and here's Ace Frehley with his kick-ass band in a you know medium-sized-ish club and he really I mean when it comes down music to music song to song Ace Frehley and his band blew Kiss away and we'd seen them just a few weeks earlier than that at the uh, Bridgestone Arena right here in Nashville. And that was one where it was Chris, our buddy Wes, and myself, and we hung out during the day. And that one I'll never forget because we're hanging out downtown Nashville, and there's so many Kiss t-shirts everywhere. And it's like, I feel like I'm in some kind of, you know, alternate reality. Like, this must be what heaven is like, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's friendly kiss people everywhere. It was so cool. And so and so many friends we ran into before the show. Like, yeah. You know, we hung out with, with uh, Alan Tate and uh, our his friend Brian, who's going to be at Rockin' Pod. And yeah. David Cathy. David Cathy was there. Yeah. It was, it was, I think I enjoyed the pre show hang more than anything. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. And then our friend Buddy, you know, got us better seats when we got to the arena. So awesome. If you guys don't remember us talking about this back in 2019. We decide we're going to go to the show because if you remember, Chris said, I ain't going. I ain't interested. I don't care. You know, Paul sounds bad. You know, it's the could get the original guys back together if you're going to do the end of the road. You know, all that. He wasn't going to go. But then we found $25 tickets. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I got peer pressured from everyone I know going, well, I'm going. Yeah. Well, you got to go. And well, let's go and hang out. That's what I said. Let's go do it. It'll be fun. Trust me. Let's go. And we are literally so far up in the top of the arena, <laughs> I can't even see what that dude is painting on stage. You know, it's just a yeah, little dot could, to yeah. me. We could almost touch the rafters, literally. And so the painter's up on stage, and I go, ah, I'm going to go for a walk or something. Can we go for a walk or something? And we go, yeah, you know. So three of us get out, and we just sort of kind of wandered around, and we run into our awesome friend, Buddy. And Buddy is talking to us. And what are you doing? Well, we're just taking a walk, waiting for Kiss to come out. Where are you sitting? way up there you know he goes oh well i'm down here in a box from my company and there's plenty of room why don't you guys come down by us 
So we literally went from the very top row to, Hanging wow, the birds. there's Kiss right there. I got so many awesome pictures from that show. Yeah, we were close. And you know what? It is Kiss in 2019, but all in all, it was still a lot of fun. And they were still a really great band that night and played a lot of really great songs. You know, it's all the stuff you expect to hear. You know, no big surprises. I think there might have been one, one maybe surprise in there that I didn't expect. But, you know, typical Kiss show is still way better than 99% of the other shows that all the other bands are putting on. So, you know, you take it for what it is. We got to see the reunion tour. We know there's people out here that listen to this that got to see the original band back in the day. But all that aside, that band that night, it was still a lot of fun. And they sounded great. And the show they put on with all the effects and the moving parts and everything. Oh, the, yeah, the production was great. Out of this fucking world great, man. It was That's an a great event stage to see. Show, yeah. yeah, totally great stage show. So, yeah, I can't damn it at all. Great friends, great people to hang out with, and a fun show. Well, and I think what we've learned through talking through all these things is like some of our favorite things to talk about with all these shows is just the experiences you have with... Yep. You know, family that go with you, friends that go with you. It's 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 just about the community, and that's why we love doing Christmas in July every year because we hear from you guys in the comments section and hear your stories. And that's the great thing about being a Kiss fan is it's it's like a it's a whole dysfunctional family, but we all have fun. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We definitely do that. So here's what we want from you in the comments for this episode. When you're sharing it and you're retweeting it, take the time tell us about how many Kiss concerts you went to. And what are your favorite memories from seeing the band live? That's your homework assignment. We want to hear from you. Get in on the conversation on our Facebook page, Decibel Geek Podcast. Give it a like. Get in on the conversation. We got a group you can join on there if you want to take it one step further. You want to take it even further than that. If we get some VIPs, we might start doing episodes again. (laughs) Yeah, we need to. (laughs) Sorry. That's not a threat. It's a warning. Uh, yeah. yeah, all kinds of cool stuff going on in the world of Decibel Geek. We haven't mentioned it so far, but we got to give it a quick shout out. Check out rockandpod.com. Rockandpod.com. Right now, when you're done with this, you yeah. want to come party with us in Nashville? You want to party with all our friends? You've heard about all the fun times we've had at Kiss concerts. That pales in comparison to the fun that we're going to have in Nashville on August 6th through the 8th you want to come party with us meet some of your favorite rock stars hang out with them have a great time you're going to do it you're going to find all the information at rockandpod.com join us for the rock and roll party of the summer and that's where we'll leave it this time i know you just made an appearance on the cobras and fire show with Baco. i did i really enjoyed listening to that one i've got an appearance with loose cannon coming up so normally it's me and Baco and you and loose cannon but this time we switched it up and so i've got yeah. an episode coming out with loose cannon i know you've got something in the works with the rock and metal combat podcast you're going to be doing here very soon yeah, we're doing some Ramones talk. Nice. And I've got something I've got in the works with them as well, so we're doing a little cross-promoting back and forth on each other's shows. If you love other rock podcasts, you're probably going to get to meet them and hang out with them at Rock and Pod, including Cobras and Fire and the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Both great friends of ours. We're proud to be on their shows. We're also proud part of Pantheon Podcasts. 
That's right. Yeah. If you're ever in the mood to maybe try something new, say, man, I love Decibel Geek. I love these other rock shows. I want to find some more. A great place to start is Pantheon. Look them up. They've got a whole roster of amazing artists creating amazing podcasts, and you're going to find something you love because they only want the best. So they gather up this team. We're a part of it, so you know it's got to be good. Check out Pantheon. And... uh yeah, other than that, leave us those comments on the Facebook page. We need more reviews, too. You kiss haters, yeah. don't give us no trouble. Please don't give us no bad reviews. It's only a month. You can do it. All right. Well, let's. Uh, you want to spend some Classic 78 to get out of here this week? Yeah, man. Why not? I love this band so much. And if you're a Kiss fan and you don't know about Classic 78, oh, prepare to have your mind blown. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Yeah.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 